0: Good morning, Christ Central. I want to wish you a happy new year again. I can't believe it's already the end of the year, but it's such a joy to bring God's word to you on this last Sunday of 2020. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at Revelation chapter 21, and we're going to read verses 1 through 4 together. So these are the words of God for us today. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Uh, would you join me in a quick word of prayer? Father, as we gather today in your presence and in your name, Lord, we pray that you would speak to us. Would you encourage our hearts as we head into 2021 together? And Lord, we know deep down that your words are trustworthy and true. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I think 2020 has caught many of us by surprise, right? We've had so many 2020 visions and nobody would have expected it to turn out the way it did. So many plans were ruined. So many vacations were canceled. Expectations dashed on the rocks of a pandemic, So many other things happen as well, social and political unrest, celebrity deaths, wildfires. 2020 has been a jam-packed year. And maybe this year, more than any other, has us longing to come out on the other side, right? We want to come out on the other side of this. But how do we know things are going to get better? Why do we assume that the other side is going to improve? Is it just misplaced optimism or blind hope? I think the Bible has a great answer for us. And it's an answer that's actually given by someone who's already on the other side, someone on the other side of creation. And that's Jesus himself. Jesus frames our expectations of that other side in a way that describes it being better than anything else we could ever imagine. And so today, as we end out our year, I wanna leave us with hope, a hope that would give rise to endurance and perseverance. So today, just three truths to regularly remember as we head into the new year. These three are, first, the world, this world is passing away. Second, God is still working. And third, a new and better world is coming. And these three are gonna flow right out of the verses that we read. So first, this world is passing away. In verse one of our passage, it reads, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. You see, the first creation is temporary. It's not meant to last. It's not the final destination. No, it's not the long-term goal. All of it is passing away. And I love this threefold picture of the order of things, right? Earth, heaven, which also can refer to the sky, And the sea, all of it, is passing away. The sea in some places also represents a place of storms, a place of danger and disaster, a place of death where the sea would swallow people up and this will be no more. I think intuitively we all recognize that there's something wrong with this first creation, something lacking, something that's just not quite right. Right? This is why so many people have this issue with what we call the problem of evil, the problem of evil and suffering. How do, we, how do we explain it? How do we deal with it? Whether you're religious or not, it's something that we have to address. It's an important question. And it's a good thing to have a problem with it. I would say it's a problem if we didn't have a problem with evil and suffering. To stare at injustice and say, ah, whatever, it just, that's just the way it is. And I think there's typically two ways that people go about dealing with this issue, this issue of evil and suffering. And it's either through karma or through chaos. See, karma, karma means there's no unjust suffering, right? All is deserved. You're just getting what you deserve. So there's nothing to be outraged about. Suffering's unpleasant, but it's not wrong because it's meant to be what it's meant to be. Now, of course, the problem with this is that there is no unjust suffering in this view. And it feels so insensitive, does it not, when we look around and to say and try to pin, pin on victims their situation and their circumstances to say, it's somehow your fault. I'm sorry, but you must have done something or your parents must have done something. The other view is chaos, it's just random chance right? It's just madness and there's no rhyme. There's no reason. And it just, it's just random. But if everything is random, then nothing is wrong. And we lose the right to even call something evil because it just is. 2020, it just, it's just a year like any other year. But you see, the Bible says something else. It says evil and suffering isn't the just punishment for the victims, nor is it simply just one of those things that just happens but it says that we can actually call out things as they are, that they're evil, that it's not right. We can call it out for what it is, a violation of the way that life ought to be. And it explains it's because of our sin. With our rebellion against God, the source of life, light, and love, we instead chose death, darkness, and division. And the result is a broken world a world that we're all too familiar with. This is why the minute we're born, we've got a one-way ticket to the grave and the irony that we experience of life packaged in death. Right, a lot of us during this season, we like to put up Christmas trees. It's fun, it's festive. But have you ever thought the minute the tree is cut, it's dead, right? It may look alive and beautiful, we might decorate it and put up ornaments and lights. We might surround it with family and friends, fun and food. But at the end of the day, it's still dead. Right? It might look and smell great for a while, but the clock is ticking and its outward appearance is going to eventually catch up to the inward reality. And like this tree, we too are cut from our roots. We're dying. We're cut from the source of life, who is God himself. And so our outward goodness, our achievements, our accomplishments, they can seem fancy and eye-catching and awesome, but spiritually, the Bible says we are dead. And physically, we're just catching up to that reality. I think a lot of us recognize life, it's more than just physical, that there's spiritual dimensions to it. Isn't that why we use sayings like I want to live life to the fullest or everybody dies but not everybody lives. It's because we know something about life that not all kinds of life really seem like living. That life and death, we recognize our team our, our terms that are deeper than purely biological. That there's a soul to them, that there's spiritual and moral aspects those words, and it points us to something better and deeper, to being truly alive. C.S. Lewis says this, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. Right in our lives, when joy and happiness seem so fleeting at times, when it feels so short-lived, when we know that death is going to rob us of any lasting permanence, we long for a more lasting joy, don't we? A better world, a world to come in which the joy we experience now is but just a foretaste. And so when we think about last Sunday, the message of Christmas, we look back to Christ's first advent, but it doesn't end there. We look also ahead to when he returns, the second advent, when he makes all things new. And I want to now pivot to our next point, that God is still working. He's working to make all things new. Verse 2 of our passage says, And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, You see, with the passing of the old order comes the new. And in Revelation, this old order is described as Lady Babylon, the city Babylon, filled with human arrogance, oppression, injustice, violence, and deception. And these things are passing away. And here we have a contrast, the holy city, the new city, the new Jerusalem. The city is also described as a bride and it really represents the people of God on that final day, a people who will be sinless and pure, a pure community of righteousness with, stu- uh, with stunning spotless beauty like a bride on her wedding day. You see, the new creation is described as both a place and a people. I want us to really know Where this city is coming from, it's not something we're building. It's not something that's coming out from the earth. No, it's coming out from heaven. It's coming from above. It's coming from God himself because God is the designer and builder of this city. And so we can run into trouble when we expect this perfect community now, or if we expect that this city is our achievement. It's not. It's God's and it's a gift coming from above. He will bring the city about in his time and in his way. Eugene Peterson, he says this, the assumption of Christian spirituality is that always God is doing something before I know it. So the task is not to get God to do something I think needs to be done, but to become aware of what God is doing so that I can respond to it and participate and take delight in it. You see, God doesn't need us to build his city. And really it's, it's up to us to see what he's doing and to join in. I think 2020 has changed a lot of our expectations, especially our expectations for what God is doing. And I want to highlight maybe some ways, some silver linings in which God is still working in 2020 because when God closes some doors, he opens others and there are opportunities. I think this year, there's been a growing awareness of our mortality with COVID-19. I think we've had to come to the realization that life doesn't go on forever. And it's increased curiosity in what comes after that, in things like religion and spirituality. There's been growing emphasis and dependence on prayer when we feel so weak and so helpless, so not in control, I think priorities have also been reoriented Where there's been more of a highlight on relationships, to not take relationships for granted, to not take the time we have with our loved ones for granted. And so we hear things like, hug your loved ones a little bit tighter. Let's be a little bit more liberal with our words and our I love yous. We've spent more time With family, and I know that could be a double edged sword for some, but for for many of us as well, it's been such a refreshing and healing time, catching up on the time that we haven't spent together. And the church has also needed to have some difficult conversations conversations about racial injustice, exposing our blind spots, helping us better understand our role with politics. And even with our particular church, we see so many blessings of how God is still working in our midst. Where we've moved everything online and we've been forced to continue to think about what is essential and the majors and we see God doing stuff. We've inducted 29 new members. We've commissioned out our first missionaries. We baptized two adults and seven infants. We've had prayer meetings We've had small groups continue through virtual communities. We have our life stage ministry still meeting virtually. And also we have drive-in services where we can even celebrate the Lord's Supper together. And Sunday worship, even right now, continues to go on. I think personally this year has also been really exposing for myself and my own sins. Uh, every now and then I'll journal some thoughts as I think about uh, how I'm feeling in those moments, what's going on in my heart. And the, one of the last entries I, I journaled was in October and I wrote, feeling low energy, discouraged, anxious, not thriving. Maybe that captures how you felt or maybe that captures how you feel right now. And I remember sharing that with my wife, Michelle, is feeling like, I don't think I'm thriving. And we had this great conversation where she, in such a timely manner, asked this question of, what do you think it means to thrive? And we got into a conversation and and it's caused us to really think and redefine what it means to be productive, what it means to be fruitful. Because in God's eyes, what if thriving is less about what you do and more about who you are? That the metric for progress, it's, uh, it's not necessarily in your work. I mean, those are a plus, but what if, growth, uh, what if growth is more about Christ-likeness? What if it's more about bearing fruit of the Spirit? And I'm still learning that now, and I'm sure all of us can as well, that God cares more about the kind of people we are than the things we do. And of course, you're going to end up doing who you are. And what if that's a big thing God is doing this year? To sever how much confidence we place in our own works and instead look to him and his work in us. That 2020 might be an opportunity for character development, for growth in being more like Jesus, growth in love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You see, God is building his city, but he's also building up his citizens. He's preparing his people, the church, as a bride. He's making new the people of God spiritually and morally. A process that will be perfective when Christ returns, but nonetheless begins even now. And so when we feel like we're not able to work or what we're doing just isn't working, we can know that God is still working and often he's working on us. Third, our final point for today, a new and better world is coming. Verse four reads, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. You see, God is bringing in a qualitatively different age a different kind of existence he he's not just repairing a fallen world but he's raising it from the dead you see we're not going back to eden the garden of eden we're going beyond to the new creation something far better and it's there that we'll get christian loved ones back where we'll get our glorified bodies right heaven the new heavens and earth is a physical place that's such great news for those of you struggling with chronic pain or illness. I will also share in Christ's heavenly inheritance, in his riches, and in his royal status. But these are all ultimately fringe benefits. They're great, but the greatest thing about the new creation to come is that we get God himself. Verse three says, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. This verse, I think really captures the entire Bible, the central thrust that it's about entering into a relationship, an intimate relationship with God himself right when you think of a wedding right you don't marry someone to get their things or at least I hope you don't but we marry them to get them the things are a plus they're an add-on and we recognize that at the heart of reality what matters most it's it's relationships isn't it it's love in the context of relationships We all recognize that the most precious memories are those moments that center on those personal relationships when uh, we experience the collision of hearts and minds and souls. And for the Christian, this makes perfect sense that these realities are the most profound and special realities because our God is love. And the universe originated, it began out of an overflow of love. Christianity is centered upon a God who is three persons in one, a triune God who's in perfect community, a perfect community of love in and of himself. And out of that overflows everything else. We come from love. We're shaped by love. We are meant for love, which is why the two greatest commandments are to love God and to love others. This is why to experience love feels so life-giving, but to taste rejection and division can feel like the opposite, to feel like death. So then how do we get him? How do we get God? How do we get this relationship? How does it happen? How can a holy God who hates sin dwell with a sinful people like us? How can we be brought home out of this broken world filled with suffering and tears? Well, to wipe out the tears from our eyes, Jesus would have to come and be wiped out. That he would be put to death for our rebellion and mess. And although it's us who's responsible for the brokenness and sinfulness of this world, he would take on responsibility. He would join us in our failures so that we can join him and his family. He would take on our flesh so that we could take on his spirit. He would bear the curse of our world so that he could grant us blessing and hope in a coming one. You see, in Christ, death would be put to death as our faithful bridegroom would lay his life down for his bride. 2020 might have caused a variety of tears for you. You can be assured that Jesus knows them. Psalm 56 says he bottles them. He knows every single one. They mattered to him. Tears of mourning over loss, of losing loved ones, tears of sympathy and compassion for those who are hurting, for those who are struggling, for those who are in need. Tears of contrition and repentance for those of you broken over your sin who feel like I keep doing the things I know I shouldn't be doing and I hate that about myself. Tears of those who are persecuted. Tears of disappointment, loneliness. Tears of victimhood. Tears of yearning for what cannot be. Jesus knows them all. He's lived them all. And he understands what it means to cry. You see, Jesus took on all these occasions for tears to guarantee a future where we won't have to experience them again. See, whether you're a Christian or not, life in this present world, it's going to involve suffering and tears. It's going to involve it at some point. The difference with the Christian is you can suffer with Jesus and know he'll be there to catch your tears. Glenn Scrivener puts it this way. If you are suffering, you might be tempted to get rid of God. But if you do, you've still got the suffering. Only now you have lost the right to call evil, evil. Worst of all, you've lost the Lord who loves you and can walk with you through it all. You, know, you can be angry with him. You can be upset, but don't reject him. Don't turn him away. Cry out, thirst for him trust in him, because for those who do eternal life, it awaits. But for those who reject him, for those who remain in their sins, their future and their end is the second death, the lake of fire. I want to end with just something that we can do, something to help us through. Richard Baxter, a Puritan pastor, He wrestled with constant bouts of physical ailments. He was riddled with just physical pain regularly throughout his life. And to deal with it, he would practice meditating upon heaven half an hour each day because of the profound impact it would have on his life. And he says this, if you would have light and heat, why are you not more in the sunshine? For want of this recourse to heaven your soul is as a lamp not lighted and your duty as a sacrifice without fire. Fetch one coal daily from this altar and see if your offering will not burn. Keep close to this reviving fire and see if your affections will not be warm. In other words, if you're tired and if you need help to persevere, if you need your faith to be fanned into flame again, to keep from burning out then set your sights, set your gaze upon heaven and see what kind of impact that will have. Allow it to fuel you. And I wanna do that now. Just one quick glimpse of the new creation. Please, I encourage you to read it in your own time, Revelation 22. But here are some distinctives. We see no more death, only life. We see no more division, only love. The healing of the nations where we see unity in diversity, perfect love, in perfect community. Right? No more pain from broken relationships, no more misunderstandings, no more miscommunication. We also see no more darkness, but only light. Because the night will be no more. The Lord will be our light there. And so we have no more reason to fear. We have no more worry, no more anxiety, just perfect peace. I hope this fuels you to persevere into the next year, to think upon it often in moments of of weakness and distress. Colossians 3 verses 1 to 2 makes this so clear. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Now you might be someone who's heard, but but what about people who say, there are some who are so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good, right? They focus on heaven so much that they're useless here. They're not helping anyone. They're not doing anything. And I'm sorry if you've encountered Christians like that, but I do believe those who are truly heavenly minded that the opposite is true. That those who are truly heavenly minded can give as those not confined by wealth, health, and security, that they can give without holding back, that they can live without anything to prove, that they can share from their hearts without anything to hide, and that they can even lose, lose their lives because they know they have everything to gain in Christ in the world to come. You see, I think Christians most of all have the perfect resources to lead the most radical lives of sacrifice, of love, and of service. 2020, it's been a perplexing year and the point isn't to know all the answers, but the point is to know Jesus enough to trust him with all of your questions. Second Corinthians 4.17 describes our life For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. I know for some of you, it may not feel very light and it may not feel very momentary right now, but in the scheme of eternity, with an eternal perspective, from an eternal perspective, it will be. When the curse is reversed, when tribulation turns to triumph, when the pain turns to praise, and the suffering turns to singing, when the tears dry up and death is put to death, where faith and hope will have fulfilled their purpose, but love will continue on forevermore. You see, our longing for a new and better year, I really believe it reveals a deeper longing for a new creation the new heavens, and the new earth. And with another year, we're another year closer to it. Come, Lord Jesus, come. And surely he is coming soon. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you give us a imperishable hope that outlasts this world that we know is coming. Lord, would that truth be one that we carry so tightly in our hearts? Especially for my dear brothers and sisters who are struggling deeply. Would heaven fuel them? Would that vision of eternity, a much better world to come, be our source of comfort? And Lord, we look forward to that day when faith will be sight, we'll see you face to face. We love you, O Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.